All right, back again for a Cash Medi podcast. Um, gonna go over some March Madness, obviously. So we're gonna get do some NFL free agency, NFL draft. But the main thing I'm gonna go over tonight is March Madness. I love this time of the year. It's the best time of the year. You got March Madness. You got NFL free agency. You got spring training. You got the NFL draft coming up in a month. Um, just going over the bracket, I think some good bets that I like. Obviously, I'm a gambling guy. I don't usually bet college basketball or NBA or MLB. I'm, I'm a football guy because I think that's the best way to bet. I mean, basketball is really hard to bet. You know, like you get the fouls at the end of the game. So let's say it's like minus seven, and then you're fouling. You either want them to foul or you don't want them to foul. Like it's just, it's too unpredictable. But so a game like you got Virginia Tech in Florida, that's a pick em game. I think, I think Virginia Tech's going to just beat them. So I like that game. That's my best bet. And then the other one that I like, the reason why I like that game, I'll just go over that real quick, is – I love that coach at Virginia Tech. I think that that program is going to be on the rise. I think the guys from Walford, and um, I think they were like a eight seed or a couple years ago, maybe even like a five seed. I don't remember. Um, but they had a couple of white guys that can shoot and like they just move the ball right. So I watched them. You know, I'm a UNC. I'm a North Carolina fan. I watched them the other night against North Carolina, and they just ran so much motion. And they just totally outcoached Roy Williams. Like, Carolina won the game, but Carolina won the game because Carolina's got a bunch of five- and four-star recruits, and Virginia Tech doesn't have that type of recruiting class. But I think Carolina ended up winning by a couple points, like five points or something. And it was a close game the entire game. Actually, Virginia Tech was winning most of the game, and then Carolina just second half just got every – offensive rebound because Carolina's got, you know, a bunch of big boys down low. They got four big guys, you know. So they're just rotating guys. They're kind of – North Carolina's kind of like one of those teams, almost like the Ravens, you know, just run the ball, run the ball. And the second half will wear you down. Well, offensive rebounding, they'll just wear you down. And they wore down Virginia Tech. But Florida doesn't have that type of – you know, studs at the there. I mean, they got that main guy that, I mean, I think he's an NBA player. But besides that, I mean, Virginia Tech, I forget what that lefty's name is, but, I mean, he can score. A point guard that can score. Um, I like their motion that they run a lot. They get a lot of good shots. That coach is good. You give him, you know, a week to prepare. I really like them in a pick em game against Florida, and that's a 7-10. Usually that seven seed is a two- to five-point favorite, you know, and for them to be a pick em, I think Vegas is telling you something there. So I like Virginia Tech as far as betting on that. And I like LSU against St. Bonaventure. Um, I'd like them at minus two. I think it spreads down to one and a half. LSU's got – I mean, they got some NBA guys, dude. You got – the Cameron Thomas guy, I mean, that guy can score like 30, like easily. I mean, he scores in bunches. Like, I mean, the guy shoots him like a couple of feet inside a half court 
he reminds me of my buddy back at Madeline, Anthony Stabile. Just, you know, a couple of dribbles and just bang, dude. I mean, that's my Cameron Thomas, you know, I mean, but can he go three for 15? Yeah, he can have his three for 15 game, but he can fucking score. I think it's Wofford or Warford or whatever. The other guy, he could score. I mean, they got two guys that could get 25, 35 easily, you know. So LSU can definitely score. They don't play much defense, but I don't think St. Bonaventure's got enough athletes to hang with a team like LSU. So as far as my betting goes, I like those two as far as point spreads go. Um as far as the bracket goes, I mean, the bracket is always really tough to go. Out of the West bracket, I mean, I'm going to pick Gonzaga. I mean, that's kind of chalk. But I have Oregon beating Iowa in the second round. Um, I think Oregon's got a lot of length. They got some shot blocker. I don't know what his name is, but I've seen Oregon's play a few times. Uh, the Durant kid, the point guard or guard, whatever he is, he he could score. He could create on his own. You always like that. I always like a guy like, okay, last five minutes, who are we giving the ball to? So the Chris Durant kid uh, for Oregon, he's really good. I like giving the ball to him. I was obviously, he's got scores. You, you got Garza. You got Wiscamp. Those guys, Fedrick. But they don't really have a ball handler that can score. Um I'm drawing a blank on the point guard. Boham, I think it's Boham. Boham. Um, he doesn't create off the dribble or anything for Iowa. So if it comes down late in the game, you could you could double off Garza, you know, and then someone else is going to have to make a play. Wiscamp can make his create his own shot for Iowa. But Iowa don't play no defense. Oregon plays a little bit of defense, and I think they could score on Iowa. Uh, that's kind of my upset in that one. And I, I, I do see USC beating Kansas. Um, I like Mobley inside. I think Kansas has got some question marks with with COVID. Um, so that's obviously going to be a question mark. And then I just like Mobley inside. And USC doesn't shoot well, but... I don't see anyone on Kansas. Kansas isn't tall. Usually, sorry, I had to drink my beer. Usually USC, I mean, usually Kansas has some big boys. They don't really have any big boys. I think Evan Mobley will just dominate. And I think that's kind of my other upset. I have UCSB beating Creighton and I have Ohio beating Virginia. But those are... Those are just kind of like lucky picks. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the reason why I'm picking Ohio to beat Virginia is Virginia supposedly has some COVID issues. So I don't know who's playing. I don't know if they've been practicing. And if you haven't been practicing all week, I, I think it's tough to win a game in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then UCSB, Creighton obviously has some concerns with their coaches, with their coach, you know, with some racist comments that he had. I don't know if the players believe in him. I don't know if the players want to play with him. So that's kind of why I like I'm leaning UCSB on that one. We'll see. The other bracket, my other upset in the other bracket, I'm gonna to go to the East bracket. I got I got LSU beating Michigan. 
The only reason why I got him beating Michigan is Michigan doesn't play that great at defense. I think LSU could score on them. Michigan's going to score a shit ton on LSU, but they lost one of their best scorers, Livers. So if Livers doesn't play, which it doesn't sound like he's going to play, and LSU could beat St. Bonds, I mean, that's my upset. So LSU, like I said, it's got two NBA players. Michigan, you know, Wagner's an NBA player. Livers an NBA player, but Livers isn't there. Hutchinson's probably an NBA player, but I just feel like LSU's got enough to get that upset, enough scoring, and, you know, I mean, Michigan runs pick and pop, dude. I mean, they switch everything, but they love running pick and pop, hit threes, but when you don't have one of your key guys, that's going to hurt. You play a team like LSU, LSU being an eight, like if they would have beat Alabama in the SEC championship, which came down to the last position, I mean, they probably get like what, like a six? I mean, I was kind of surprised they got an eight. So I think that, um, I think I got Florida State going to the Elite Eight. I got Texas coming out of that bracket. I think Texas is really good. You know, you got Coleman, really good. Jones at the at the guard position. You got Jones, Kaye Jones off the bench. Brown, and then Mims or is it Sims or Mims, uh, uh, the big guy down low. I mean, Texas has got all kinds of guys. Shaka Smart, I love as a head coach. Alabama's really good. They got a bunch of athletes. Um, you know. I mean, maybe Alabama could beat them, but I think UConn might beat Alabama in the second round. But I just, I just like Texas guard play with Jones and Coleman. Coleman definitely, at the end of the game, I like the ball in his hands. I like having a guard, you know, the ball could be in your hands last five minutes, okay? Can, can we create by ourselves? Can we get a high pick and roll and create by ourselves? You got Gonzaga with Suggs. That's as good as it gets. I like Coleman. From Texas. We go to the other bracket. We got the South. We got Baylor. I think Baylor's in trouble if they pay, play North Carolina. I think they're going to beat North Carolina in the second round. But if they play North Carolina in the second round, I'd be nervous if I'm a Baylor fan. The problem is North Carolina fucking turns the ball over 100 times every 101 possessions. That's the problem with North Carolina. I'm a North Carolina fan. It's been frustrating all season long watching these guards, you know, with uh, Love and Davis and Walton. I mean, Walton doesn't really turn it around, turn over the ball, but I mean, the other, I mean, there's so many guys that just can't pass the ball into the big fellows, you know, like you got so many, they got four bigs, dude. Paycott's a stud. I mean, Sharp is a, I mean, just a monster. And um, they got four, you know, Kessler. They got so many bigs. They could out-rebound anyone. Um, their length, I think, will give Baylor some trouble. I think Baylor, you know, with the Butler kid, I mean, he can score. I mean, Butler's better, and they're more consistent, but I wouldn't be surprised if North Carolina beat them. With that said, I'm going to pick Baylor to win that. I'm going to pick Winthrop to beat Villanova in the first round. I got Purdue going in Sweet 16, losing to Baylor. Um, Do I have anything? I got Virginia Tech. I got Virginia Tech beating Ohio State. 
I just, like I said, that motion offense that they run, I think Ohio State's defense isn't really that good. So I like Virginia Tech getting to the Sweet 16. So that's kind of my upset one there. I got Baylor coming out of the South. I got Gonzaga out of the West. I got Texas out of the East in the Midwest. Let's see if I got any really upsets. I got Oklahoma State playing Illinois. That's chalk. I got San Diego State playing. I got San Diego State playing Illinois. I got San Diego State going to the Elite Eight. No. I got Houston. But I wouldn't be surprised if San Diego State goes to the Elite Eight. Um, the San Diego State, as far as the San Diego State game goes, I mean, Mitchell's going to catch the ball. If if I'm San Diego State, I put Mitchell at the top of the key. Not top of the key, but like at the free throw line. And then the high school three-point line. Catch the ball right there. Make a play from there. You got Shackle and Ayuk. Or uh, Seiko, I mean, on the wings. Because Seiko, I think, needs to play on Bowman. Buddy Bohammon. On defensive, you know, I I would I wouldn't play Pulliam in the, in in this game because Pulliam he can't shoot really from the college three, and um, I would have Gomez bring the ball up, and then you have Shackle and Seiko on the on the wings, and then Mitchell kind of catching it at the top, and then I would have you know. Mensa just run the baseline, just looking for alley oops, and then I would put Seiko on on Bohammon, Bowman, whatever his name is, Buddy Bowman, the head coach's son, and then you know as long as he doesn't go for twenty five thirty, I think the Aztecs are going to win because Bohammon, I mean, he could score. He's annoying as fuck. I'm a North Carolina fan, so I watch a lot of ACC basketball. He's annoying. I can't stand his ass. If the Aztecs beat Syracuse, I could see them beating West Virginia. You know, West Virginia is a little different. I mean, the games I've seen, they press a little bit. They don't press as much as they used to. But someone told me that they don't really press anymore. I mean, I saw them, they pressed. Not as much. Like, back in the day with Huggins, they used to press full court, 20, you know, the 40 minutes, but... I saw them press like, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes of it. But I was told that they don't press as much. I know they can score more than they used to, but they give up a lot more. Um, I mean, West Virginia is beatable, you know. I mean, Moorhead State can score, apparently. Um, Rutgers-Clemson game, I mean, that's boring as fuck. Unless you got money on that game, I mean, I would pick Rutgers, but... Houston's beatable. I don't, I don't see them as that great. I mean, if the Aztecs get by Syracuse, I can see them getting the lead eight, but I can see them losing the first round. They could lose any of the three games that they play, but they can win any of the three games that they play. I know that's kind of like, well, what the fuck, Eddie? You didn't give us anything. I'm just saying, if if Shackle and Gomez – see, the, the thing that worries me about Gomez is that zone – it's just they're just too much length, and he can't get, really get the shot off. That worries me. But if he can get the shot off, I don't care where he shoots it from. He's going to make it. He can make it from NBA 3. Like, if you get him open NBA 3, he's going to knock it down. Shackle, 
He's got a quick release. We're, we're good on that. Mitchell, Mitchell should be able to abuse the zone, catching it at the free throw line, the high school three, and, and just working it from there. And then, like I said, I think um, Adam Seiko should play a lot and be on um, Buddy Bayham and go from there. I think the Aztecs win that game and probably lose to West Virginia in the second round. But um, moving to the NFL, I think some of the teams that have had some good free agency, I like what the Jags did. I like what the Redskins did. I don't know why everyone's jerking off to the to the to the um, the Patriots. It, it's so funny. The Patriots go sign people, and the national media is just slow stroking them. Other years, they don't sign anyone, and they're saying how great it is that they didn't sign anyone. Make up your fucking mind, dude. That's what pisses me off about nowadays. You know, you got you got the national media. No matter what the Patriots do, it's the greatest move in the NFL. It's the history of the NFL. They go and sign two tight ends. Oh, my God. It's the greatest move of the NFL. They go and sign uh, Nelson Nagler, who drops every fucking pass ever invented. And you give him two years, $26 million, $13 million a year. Oh, my God. It's the greatest move of all time. They go and sign, like, the fourth receiver for San Francisco. Oh, my God. It's the greatest receiver of all time. You just wasted a first. What does that tell you? It tells you that you wasted a first round pick on the on the receiver from Arizona State. That's all it tells you. Why else would you have to sign two receivers in free agency? You just fucking drafted a receiver two years ago in the first round. It just tells you that. You signed two tight ends. Good. They're both good. I, I'm not arguing that. I thought Hunter Henry would get more. I thought he'd get more years, not per year. I thought he'd get more years. I thought he'd get four or five year deal. But congratulations, he got a three year deal for like thirty seven million. So let's just say it's thirty six. So he got twelve million a year. Congratulations, he fucking is hurt all the time. I've had him in fantasy in my dynasty fantasy league. He's hurt all the time. He's a good player when he plays. He's a complete player. Jonah Smith, he's a good player when he plays. He's fine. Like, great. If those are your two number one and number two weapons in your passing game, you're in trouble. If Cam Newton's your fucking quarterback, you're in trouble, dude. Like, you're going to have a good offensive line. I get it. You have a good offensive line. You got Trent Brown, who I don't know why the Raiders just gave up on him. Raiders giving up on him. I mean, I don't get it. But Raiders gave up on him. They gave up on the center. Like, I don't, I don't get what the Raiders are doing. But whatever, that's off the topic. So you have a good old line. You don't have a quarterback. And your defense isn't really that good. So I don't get why everyone's just slow-stroking the Patriots. And they do this every fucking year. Patriots aren't good. And I always said Belichick was the reason why they won. It wasn't Brady. I think maybe I was wrong. I think Brady got real lucky last year. I don't think the Buccaneers are as good as everyone thinks they are. But I went 0-3 betting them in the playoffs. So don't fucking listen to me on that. I mean, I mean, I see, I see this shit like on the TV and like 
who's going to beat the Buccaneers? Like, as if, like, they're the favorites, like, and they're just going to walk through the league again. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you got to be kidding me, dude. Packers had them beat if it wasn't for a bunch of bullshit shit to happen to them. Saints had them beat if Cook doesn't fumble. I mean, look, you got to give the Bucks credit. I mean, they won the games. You know, they beat the shit out of the Chiefs, no doubt about it. But the Saints had them beat. Cook fumbles. They're up seven. It's a first down at the 40-yard line. They go in and score there. You go up two scores, it's a totally different game. He fumbles, sets him up into Buccaneer, into Saints territory, you know. Um, you get, um, I don't, what's his name, King from, he went to Washington. I mean, he just gets roasted with fucking like five seconds left in the half. And he, and he doesn't even touch the guy and the guy scores a touchdown from like the 35, 40 yard line. It's like, what are you doing? And the other safety had an interception. He just drops it. And then the play before that, Rodgers throws throws a pass like on second and 18, which is just stupid by the head coach. He should have just ran the ball and just eat up the clock. He throws a throws a pick, and there was clearly P.I., clearly P.I. They don't call it. I mean, whatever. But, I mean, the Bucs won. Like, I lost. I went 0-3 on my bets against the Bucs. But still, like, I don't know why people just think, like, the Bucs are just, like, like, they're not the Chiefs and shit. Like, I know they beat the shit out of the Chiefs, but the Chiefs didn't have their two offensive tackles. Obviously, that was the entire game. Anyone that watched that game just goes, okay, those two tackles play. We got a different game. Like, if you don't think that way, then I don't, I don't know what football you're watching. And I've been told for years, and, and I, text, I text the one guy, I said, you told me for years that old lines don't really matter, that quarterbacks make old lines. I text the guy after that Super Bowl, I said, do you think old lines still don't matter, that quarterbacks make them? And he, he still hasn't responded. I don't know how long it's been from the Super Bowl. What are, what are we on? Almost, we're coming up on almost three months, you know. Guy still hasn't texted me back on that text because he fucking knows that, you know, he has told me for years that you can't blame Stafford for the old lines because quarterbacks make old lines. Oh, really? Because uh, Mahomes was the best quarterback in the league and he looked like he looked like shit with that old line because his t- fucking tackles couldn't block. And that was the entire game. All right, I'm going to finish off on the Padres. I see a lot of people on Padre Twitter, like, just fucking calm down, dude, on, on like, everything. Calm down on the positive, calm down on the negative. I can't stand Padre Twitter. Padre Twitter is fucking awful. It is awful. I've muted so many fucking guys. Whatever, dude. I've muted. I've unfollowed. It doesn't matter. I just, I, I don't know. I I don't like it anymore. I don't even really want to be associated with it. But there's some people that I really like where I'm like, no, I really want to see their point of view on shit because sometimes they, they teach me something or, or like, oh, I, I didn't even think of it that way. You know, that, that makes sense. You know, there's some smart people on part of your Twitter. But there's some dumb fucks, dude. Like every little 
goddamn fucking thing. Like it's goddamn, it's spring fucking training. It's spring training. We got people that, that have C.J. Abrams in the Hall of Fame already. I'm like, dude, I love C.J. Abrams. I love the swing. I love everything. You're telling me he doesn't need to go down to double A? You're out of your fucking mind. You're just going to go from low A. He played like a week in low A. And then he had last year's whatever you want to call it. That little camp, whatever. And you think he's ready for major league pitching. He's facing... He's facing middle relievers and guys that aren't going to make the team. So, like, he gets one at-bat against, like, a major league pitcher, and then he gets, like, two at-bats against guys that either aren't going to make the team or are, like, a middle reliever. And everyone's like, oh, he should be on the team. And then you're worrying about Eric Hosmer, and you're claiming that he's the worst fucking player or the worst signing in the history of the game. It's so funny how many people... Circle jerk fan graph. Like, I don't get it. I don't get fan graph. I don't get pro football focus. Like, I don't get why people just make it like as if those things are the end all. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe I'm the idiot. I don't know. I've been called a lot worse than just some idiot. But you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, is Hosmer overpaid? Sure. Is he that overpaid? No, I, I really don't think he is. I would guess Hosmer hits about 280, has an on-base around 340, has an OPS around 800. I mean, 800, it's meh, you know? If he gets it over 800, I mean, that's fine. Like, you're, he gets around 830, that's pretty good. Like, that would be fine. Like, I would take that if he gets OPS. OPS is the one that I will say that, that like, that I didn't pay attention to years ago, that I do pay attention to now. That's the one you need to really care about, is OPS. And like every time Hosmer doesn't get like a ball or something, all I see is like 100 tweets, like how he's the worst player in baseball. But he'll scoop like five in a row, and no one fucking says a word. He hits into a double play, I see 100 tweets, how he's the worst player in baseball. Machado hits into a double play. No one says a fucking word. Tatis hits into a double play. No one says a word. Cronenworth hits into a double play. No one says a word. I don't get it. I don't get. I don't get the whole hate for Hosmer. Like, is his contract not great? Sure. No one's debating that. Like, I don't see. I don't see anyone on Padre Twitter that's like, no, his contract's great. We're fine. I don't, I don't think there's one Padre fan that's like, yeah, his contract's really good. I don't think anyone's really saying that. But my God, they make it like as if he has a Jason Hayward contract, which Fangraph, who they just slow stroke to, has one of the worst contracts I've ever seen. He has a seven-year deal for $184 million. The guy got benched in the World Series and basically has been a stiff ever since he went there. And Fangraph said he was worth like $252 million for a seven-year deal. But Fangraph wants to tell you every month how terrible Hosmer is. Hosmer, look, it was only like 30 games, but Hosmer was was balling, like nine home runs and like a 30-game thing, and his OPS was great, and, you know, he was he was driving the baseball. And that gets me to fam. 
I see people that say fam is done. And then I see people that are like fam is great now because he's getting hit. All his hits are fucking singles, dude. Like he drove one today and it went to the uh, down the line on the right field and it hit the wall. And that's nice. I like seeing that. I'm worried on fam. I don't see him driving the baseball anymore. I didn't see him drive the baseball last year. It makes me think the Rays knew what they were doing. Um, getting rid of him. It makes me think that they, they totally knew that he was going to be like injury prone. And I mean, he worries me. Now, if he bats seventh or eighth and he hits 250, 260, but he has a nice on base percentage because he walked. And his slugging percentage is under 400, and it's like 380. I mean, okay. I mean, I, I guess I could live with that. But I can't live with that with him sucking on defense, too. Like, he, he ain't going to be worth it. Like, he's going to be a problem. Now, if his on-base percentage is more like 360, 370, okay, well, that'll help. But I don't see him slugging the ball anymore. I don't see him hitting any gaps. I don't see him hitting it over the fence. Like, if you gave me an over-under on 15 home runs, I'm going to take the under. And that's just that's just not good for a left left fielder that you're paying $9 million. What are they paying him? $8, 9000000 I mean, I don't know. When we traded for him, I thought he'd be a number one or number two hitter on, on the team, like bat first or second. Get on base in front of Tatis and Machado. That would have been really nice. And his defense, like... Fuck, we need a fucking DH bad for him. He sucks out there in the outfield. Um, he worries me a lot. Let's go to the pitching. Well, let's go through let's go through the lineup again a little more. Cronenworth. I mean, I see I see people who are just like, put Cronenworth in first base. Really? You're gonna put Cronenworth Cronenworth, if you told me defensively, first base over Hosmer, sure. Cronenworth is not going to put up the numbers Hosmer is going to put up. Hosmer is going to bat fourth on a team that's going to win 90-plus games. Like, you guys make it like as if Hosmer's just some stiff, dude. You think if Cronenworth was batting fourth, teams wouldn't fucking just abuse that guy? Like, Cronenworth, Cronenworth to me, like, I'll be shocked if he has the same type of year he had last year. Like, I'll be shocked. If he hits 260 with an on-base percentage over 335, 340, that'd be sweet. Because his defense is really good. I like him defensively. I like him as a player. We're not paying him anything. He can play second. He can play short. He can play first. He can play left. He can play right. I mean, he's a valuable player. As far as Yansen Kim, I mean, that kid needs to go down in the minor leagues. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he needs to go down the minor leagues. My concern is they told him, we'll sign you. You're going you're gonna to be on the opening day roster. Because apparently the Blue Jays told him, hey, we'll sign you, but you're going to go down the minor leagues. And he said, fuck you. Well, if the Padres told him, we'll sign you, and you kind of, you can't really... can't really go against your word there and, and not put him on the opening day roster. He's not ready for he, He'll get abused right now. First two months, he will get abused. He needs to be down in the minor leagues for two to three months. Um, 
And I did a live stream today, and someone's like, well, they gave him four for 28. And I agree. I mean, that's $7 million a year. You don't really run him down the minor leagues, but fuck, he ain't ready for it. He'll get fucking, he'll get smoked. And he'll really get smoked because Cronenworth's going to play second base. He ain't going to play in left field. You got Pham and you got Profar. Where is he going to play? So he's not going to get at-bats. And if he gets fucking three, four at-bats a week, <laughs> good luck, dude. Like, he'll get smoked. You needed to be down in the minor leagues getting 20 at-bats a week, you know, 20-plus. So I don't think he makes a team. I think Mateo makes a team over him. Mateo, guy told me on my live stream today, Mateo doesn't have any options. I think that's pretty easy. Mateo can play center field. Mateo can play left, right, whatever, second base. Uh, you can pinch run him. Uh, he's got a nice short stroke. Uh, I think Mateo's pretty good. I think Mateo, you know, easily makes it over him. Obviously, Cronenworth at second. I think Profar. Uh, Nola's going to be out for probably, I, I would just assume he's out for April. You have Camposuano and whatever uh, the catcher is from the Cubs. Um, I, I I think Camposuano can hit enough for the first month, and then they'll figure him out. But, I mean, I'm sure he needs the minor leagues too, but hopefully Nola's ready by then. And then you just throw him down in the minor leagues and bring Nola up. Um, as far as the starting pitching goes, Darvish, <laughs> Darvish is going to be badass. I mean, I can't believe we got Darvish for for four sweet sixteen guys, and like Zach Davies. Zach Davies is like Zach Davies. I'll just predict this: Paddock will have better numbers than Zach Davies this year. Um. I can't believe we got an ace for four sweet 16 guys and Zach Davies. And you think about it like, okay, of those four sweet 16 guys, maybe one of them hits or two of them hit, but we just got like an ace for three years. Yeah, 20 million. Okay. And everyone makes it like, oh my God, you pay him 20 million. Look at the other pitchers, what they're banking like. I mean, Bauer, Bauer's making $40 million. You could argue that Darvish is better than Bauer. I think Darvish is better than Bauer. I don't, I don't even think it's even debatable. I think, I think Bauer was better last year. But he's not close to as consistent as Darvish is. And Darvish, for the last year and a half, has been better. I mean, if you look at Darvish's last half a season in Chicago and then half a year, you know, Last year, for the for for a whole year, I mean, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. And if you just watch him in the minor leagues, and I'm not a big minor league guy, but you could just watch him and just how out in front some of these guys are on his pitches, and just how much stuff that he has. I mean, he's got ace written all over him. He has ace like I'm going seven. You know, nowadays, like if you could get a pitcher to pitch six, that that's great. He, that 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 motherfucker's going seven. He's going seven. You know, he just has one of those rubber arms. They come from different countries, and they just, they don't baby him at these other, you know. I don't know what country he's from. I don't even give a fuck. They just don't baby him over there. 
These guys throw 250, 300 innings over these countries. Like, our, our guys throw two innings, and they're like, shut them down. Like, Strasburg, hey, the playoffs are coming. Shut them down, you know, here in America. But over there, they, they just say, just fucking pitch. And these guys pitch, 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 pitch. And the guy's got like 15 pitches. You don't know what he's fucking throwing. I mean, that's a pitcher, pitcher, pitcher. And the guy's getting, to me, he's just getting better and better. I think he's going to be great this year. I think he's going to be really good next year. Maybe the third year in the contract, he pitches like a number three. Big deal. Big fucking deal. If he's a number three his third year, that's a pretty fucking good trade in my opinion because I think he's going to be a number one. And a number one nowadays is worth like $35 million a year. We're only paying him twenty. I think he's going to be a number one next year, too. Number one this year, number two maybe next year, number three the following year. Um, then you got Snell. Snell's got nasty stuff, just absolutely nasty breaking balls. Um, I like what I see out of Snell. The only thing that worries about me about Snell is he's a five-inning pitcher. Maybe he gets to six. That could hurt you, especially at the beginning of the year. You know, you're only getting four or five innings out of him at, at the beginning of the year. Five, six innings in your bullpen, you know, can get a little taxed. Especially because I don't think Lament's going to be, you would, you would assume a lament, Lament's your third. I don't think Lament's going to be there till June. Um, so you got Musgrove as your third. I think Musgrove's going to be nasty. I mean, his breaking ball is really nasty. I mean, that was a great pickup. I think that's going to be a great pickup. For just think about what AJ Preller did. Because I came into this offseason when they said Clevenger, I think they said it around, I want to say mid November or maybe early December. They were like, Clevenger's out for the year. And then we were, we were already worried about Lament. I think I'm a pretty realistic fan. I said, okay, we got our two number one, our number one and number two out for the season. I was basically saying, just. Just fold. Like, you're not going to be good this year. Just, okay, develop some people, and we'll come back in 2022 with those two starters. Maybe you get another starter. You have Weathers. You have more Han Core coming up another year. They'll, they'll probably be ready. We'll just go from there. That's what I was thinking. Preller was like, fuck that. He was like, I'm going to go get Darvish and Snell. And when he got Snell at first, I was like, yeah, I mean, that makes us better, but I don't think we can compete. Then when he got Darvish, I was like, oh, fuck, dude. Now we got two ones. And then if you get Lament back, like obviously he's a question mark, and I still think he's a question mark. But now you're thinking, we went into that Dodgers series, and I remember thinking to myself, if Clevenger and Lament pitch, I like our chances. I would have said about 40%. I wouldn't have said, you know, we were going to beat them like 60% or 70%, but I would have said 40% that we had a chance to beat them. Well, those two guys didn't play. I would have said less than 10%. So to me, getting Darvish and Snell is actually better than Lament and Clevenger. I would have said, okay, now we have a 45% chance of beating the Dodgers. Now you add in a Musgrove, I would have said it's 50-50, dude. Plus the Dodgers lost some guys. And, they, and then they got Bauer, I would have said, okay, 
So 50-50 goes down to probably 45%, right? I still think we're at like, you know, if you just put betting odds, I would say we got a 45% chance of beating them. Maybe 50. I mean, I don't know. They lost a lot of guys, you know. Jock Peterson ain't there. Stripling ain't there anymore. Um, Rule, you know, from a couple years ago, like they've, they've lost – uh, the pitcher on uh, the Twins, you know, I mean, I know Bauer is, but what if Bauer isn't what he, he's been, was last year? I mean, the guy, oh, I closed my eyes and pissed. Go fuck yourself, dude. You ain't that good, dude. You get your, your career ERA is 3.9. You ain't that fucking good, dude. So Going back to Lament, I don't think Lament pitches to June, which is fine, dude, because like I said, I can't believe what Preller did in this offseason. And that's one of the things I really wanted to talk about was I can't believe what he did. Because I thought I thought going into the season, like I said, I was like, oh, just just wait for 2022. You just you you basically took a year back. I mean, what can you do? Clevenger's out for the year, Lament is a question mark. You can't just okay. We're good. No, he fucking said fuck it, and he had such an ability because he has such a deep minor league system that he was able to trade off just a bunch of nobodies. I mean, yeah, I mean Tampa Bay got some players. I mean they got Wilcox, they got Hunt, and they got Patino. You know for Snell, but Snell's contract is fucking nothing, dude. And Snell's a one or a two. He's a one on what? More than half of the teams in, in baseball. He's a top 15 pitcher in baseball. You know, he's a two on half of the teams in baseball. The only reason why he's even considered a two is because he doesn't go more than five innings, six innings. But his stuff is as good as anyone in baseball. And you got him. Patino is a question mark. I like Patino. His stuff's nasty. You got to get that control. I mean, Wilcox, I never really seen him pitch because, you know, the minor league package that I have, I mean, you didn't get to see him pitch last year. Blake Hunt, I mean, all right, whatever. You know, Mejia, I mean, yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay got a lot back. I mean, more I think about it, yeah, Tampa Bay got potentially four guys that can help them. Okay, we got a guy that doesn't cost that much. And when you're the Padres, if you get guys that don't cost that much, that's valuable to your organization, because you almost feel like a, you almost feel like the Padres are like one of these top seven organizations as far as money wise. Like, okay, we'll trade you two, three prospects for one of your guys, but if he doesn't cost that much, and it keeps our books down, it's going to be more valuable to our team. Yeah, it's more valuable to the Pirates too, but I mean. When we're going for it, we're, we're willing to give up two, three prospects that one of the prospects is going to pan out, you know, and the other two are going to flame out. And you're, you know, let's say you're the Pirates and you trade that. Yeah, it works for the Pirates because one of the prospects works out, but it also works for the big markets that are like, okay, we just got a good player that doesn't cost that much. And that's what Snell is. I mean, you got... Three years at almost like $11 million? Like, that's fucking chump change for a fucking number one, number two. I mean, Musgrove, two years, you know, 
at chump change at what he's going to do. I think Paddock's going to bounce back. Morahan, I've said this. Well, now that we got Darvish, I can't say it anymore, and Snell. But I think Morahan has some of the best stuff in the organization. I think Morahan's fucking nasty. And I, I really want to see what he can do, like, for a full year. I think he's only pitched around 65 innings. Is a career high. So can he go 100 innings this year? Well, we'll see. On my live stream, someone was like, was asking, is Weathers going to make the team? I think Weathers will make the team because Weathers is a more complete pitcher right now, in my opinion, than, he, than Gore is. Gore is, he's too wild. Gore has way better upside. Like, I think I think uh, Weathers' floor is higher, but Gore's ceiling is higher because Gore's stuff is nasty. I mean, he, he can get up 96, 97, that changeup, that slider. Like, he's nasty. But, but Weathers has got the control right now, the composure, that I think if Morhan pitches as your fifth starter – for the first two months of the season, and he goes four innings, you could bring in Weathers for two innings, three innings, what have you, kind of piggyback him, get it to Johnson or Keon Keeler, Kelly, whatever his name is, the guy they got from the Pirates, Rangers, whatever. I mean, that guy looks pretty good. Uh, Pierce Johnson, uh, Melanson, Pagan, Pomeranz, I mean, they got so many guys. Like, once you get, you know, that seventh, eighth inning, ninth inning, I mean, then you're good. You know, Strom's not going to start this year. He's going to be, he's going to take a while, probably. It's going to take him a real long time. Um, Stammen, I'm not, I'm not high on Stammen, but he's got a high contract, so he's going to make the team. Um, Blanson. That's a fine deal. I mean, the bullpen's going to be good. I don't know who the closer's going to be. The most confident I got is Pomeranz. I think Pagan's going to bounce back. I think the uh, I think the Rays will look back at that one and go, okay, maybe we gave up a little too much for that one. Um, the fam one, they're probably going to go, oh, okay, we're fine on that. But they threw in Cronenworth. And that's the thing is Perler always says – throw in another guy. Like, I think he told the Mariners, throw in Adams. And they were probably like, no, we don't want to throw in Adams. And he was like, well, I'm just not going to do the deal. And then they were like, oh, okay, we'll do it. I think Preller told the Tampa Bay, throw in Cronenworth. Oh, we're not going to do that. Oh, I'm not going to do the deal. Because he has so much, he has so many outs. Like, he has so many chips. He's the chip leader. He can bully you like, you know, you're playing um, Texas Hold'em. He can bully you in the hands. He has so many chips. He has so many outs. I think that's what he does. And I just, I can't believe what he's done in one offseason. We had a really good team last year where my mindset was, okay, if Clevenger and Lament were on their game, we could beat anyone. Well, both of them got hurt. Okay. There's nothing you can do. We went into the whole playoffs basically with either one of them pitching. We got one inning out of them in the playoffs, and we won a series. Like, you got depth, dude. You won a whole fucking series. I know 
St. Louis Cardinals weren't the greatest team in the playoffs, but to win a series against the Cardinals with basically your one and two were gone, and your number three, like, I don't know, just got demoted, didn't even pitch. Like, and then Paddock got bombed. Like, Paddock was just terrible. So basically, one through four was done, and he still won a series. Like, you got depth. Morhan stepped up, Weathers, uh, you know, Patino pitched in that series pretty well. Like, you got things going. Like, you have depth. This guy, this guy is building a freaking, he's building a dynasty. I don't care what anyone says. He's building a fucking dynasty. All I want, though, is one fucking World Series. Just give me one. Give me one, I'll be happy. All right, then, fellas, till the next time. Good night now.